Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz saxophonist, composer, and educator Sherelle Cassidy. She talked about her 2020 album called Fearless, released during the pandemic and upcoming projects. She stands as one of the main players on the New York and Chicago jazz scenes. Listed as a rising star alto saxophone in Downbeat Magazine for the past 12 years, she has appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, The Colbert Show, and is in the Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame, along with being a recipient of the ASCAP Young Jazz Composers Award. Over time, she has worked with NEA jazz masters like Herbie Hancock, Wynton Marsalis, Dee Dee Bridgewater, Jimmy Heath, and the great Christian McBride. She's got a very flavor-rich story. Enjoy. Hi, Sherelle. It's Joe Domino. Hi, Joe. Thanks for calling. Great to catch up with you. And, you know, before we get into your, you know, your 2020 album, What's Going On These Days, I want to know, how did you survive COVID? The jazz community got hit pretty hard. How did you get through it? And how, how are things going now? Um, I hate to say this because I know it was such a horrible time for many people, but I did very well. I, um, I'm really comfortable in a room by myself, for one. And uh, I was teaching online. I had like almost 40 private students online and a class. I was teaching at DePaul and Elgin Community College. Um, you know, my husband is also a musician, so we were taking turns being the, the parent. It was that was the difficult part was that I was with a toddler, um, so you know I didn't get to practice as much as I wanted to maybe, but um, you know I I did okay financially and we stayed at home and you know we made videos and we made music and we built a recording studio and learned Spanish and <laughs> kept ourselves busy. Well, that's good, and I hear there's been so many silver linings, and I think for the way musicians typically run, it was probably good to have that moment to slow down and to reflect and to do some things that, you know, and being around family, I mean, that's that's what we all strive for, so that's a good thing. Absolutely, and I think I needed uh, the carousel to stop um, for a little while. I, I was able to refocus what I wanted and put everything in perspective and really kind of uh, put in put a new twist on, on my dreams, you know, like really refocus and have the time to plan. So the album Fearless, was that constructed during the early pandemic? Yes. Well, I had plans for it to record, um, you know, before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and it kept getting, no, no. Was that the pandemic? No, it was before we recorded it before the pandemic. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I was just like, I have to get an album out. What? I don't have anything out and I haven't had anything out for a while. And so I thought, well, it can either be a good move or a bad move. And I, I released it. I don't think I would do it that way again. Yeah. It came out in 2020. So talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how this jazz journey began for you. Um, well, I was born in Iowa, but that's after my dad and mom lived in New Orleans for at least 10 years. Um, and my dad was a New Orleans musician. Well, he he used to live in New Orleans, and he was a musician, and he played there. Uh, he now lives in Missouri, and he's a music therapist and uh, runs uh, music therapy programs. My mom um, worked for the government, and she loved music, uh, but... You know, she encouraged me. She took me to lessons. And, you know, they were divorced when I was very young. You know, I visit my dad and we would play music. We had a whole songbook by the time I was, I think, 11 years old, 10 or 11. 
And we started playing in nursing nursing homes, and then we moved to restaurants and uh, music conferences. And he bought me my saxophone when I was nine. I started piano at six, um, both classically and then jazz. And uh, my mom kept me going in the lessons when I was with her. So who were early influences? Who did you kind of emulate or really, really dig in the beginning? Well, first it was Bird. I heard my dad played me a record of, you know, Charlie Parker, and I fell in love with it, and we started playing some of those heads when I was about 10, 10 years old, I would say. Um, and then after that, I would say it was Lester Young, you know, the early swing, like Count Basie and Miles, John Coltrane. You know, I just kind of went through the lineage from there. So what was the very first live jazz show you saw that blew you away? Well, actually, the first live jazz, hmm, you know what? Interesting. Which was first? I always thought it was, there's two things that really influenced me. One was David Sanborn um, in probably 1990. <laughs> he, he had this this song called Bang Bang that was really popular on the radio. And um, it's a real funky Latin, Latin kind of song, and that inspired me. And also hearing um, and seeing Clark Terry at the Southwestern Oklahoma State University Jazz Festival made a big impression on me. So, how did things begin for you? What was the first show like? Was it natural? How, I mean, how did you feel? How did it all kind of take off for you? As a as a kid. Well, just um, as a musician, like your first gig, yeah. Oh, as like my own first gig. It it felt pretty natural. Um, you know, the booking process never felt natural for me. But once I got to the gig and was playing, that always felt great. No, I get that for sure. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, believe me. So, you know, on this journey being a musician, there's so many aspects that go into it from teaching to recording and performing and all those things. What do you like the best about being a professional musician? I like that you see the best and the worst of all society, and you see all walks of life, and you see that you can connect through spirit and music, and that music can change the energy of of a population even. It can, it can uplift a mindset. It can change the energy from negative to positive. It can help people um, come together and relate to each other. And seeing those things firsthand as a musician are the most valuable aspects. It reminds me why it's valuable to be a musician. So why do you love jazz? I love jazz because it's the most expressive art form. Like I said, I grew up playing classical music. I've always loved pop music, and I love hip-hop and rap, and I love, I, I love country music. In certain ways, I like the stories country music tells. Uh, I really love folk music and Broadway. I like, I like all good music, right? But, and I've played all of the music. I, some of my first gigs in Oklahoma were with a country singer, and I had to play uh, fiddle lines on the saxophone, you know. So I've, I've played all the music. But um, the one that allows me the most freedom and freedom of expression is jazz. And and I grew up, like I said, my dad played in New Orleans, 
So I grew up hearing the blues and the swing and, you know, improvising and all of that. And, um, and for me, the level of depths that you can reach with jazz, uh, surpasses all other music except maybe classical music, but in a more relatable way. So what are you working on these days? Is there an album on the horizon? Oh, there's three. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. When it rains, it pours. I, I was as busy as I've ever been teaching and, and doing residencies this last year. And, um, and just so happens I was able to record three albums and put them together. I don't know. I still wonder about my sanity because of this, but, um, the, the first one's coming out actually September 1st and it's a collaborative project that I kind of initiated with this band called Precarious Towers. And it's a, it's a Midwest band. It's two from Wisconsin, two from Milwaukee and myself in Chicago. And we played together once and it was just great. We did an album together under the pianist name and it was great. So we just decided to call ourselves Precarious Towers and we each have two tracks on there. We recorded it in uh, my husband's and my studio, which is uh, in our house. And that was, um, it's a really great project. So Precarious Towers, 10 Stories is coming out September 1st. Actually, the single is out today. Um, and then next year, I have a female band called Alliance, and that's probably going to drop in early 2024. And then I have a, a super, super power band, like um, that's going to drop around June or July with Christian McBride, um, Cyrus Chestnut, Lewis Nash, and a couple tracks with um, Terrell Stafford and Michael Dees guesting. Wow, that's a powerful lineup. And that leads me to my next question. You know, you mentioned some pretty big names, legends, luminaries, and jazz. What have you learned from them over the years that you, in turn, teach younger players that you get around? Oh, there's there's a lot. I mean, anything musical from, if you don't know a tune, don't play on it. You know, practical advice and how to practice to um, things like, uh, togetherness being important. You know, Jimmy Heath would always preach togetherness, you know, respecting yourself, getting paid enough, being on time. Um, James Moody always stressing uh, the value of love. You know, he was one of the warmest people I'd ever met. And um, to to help those around you that the more you give, the more will come back. And And, you know, just to give as much as you can. And that's the way it is with the elders. They tend to be the nicest, most grounded people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent a lot of time around them. The Dizzy Band was pretty central to to that for me because I sat right next to Jimmy Heath and James Moody was in the section. You know, Roy Hargrove was in the band, um, Slide Hampton and Steve Davis. He's not elderly at all by any means. But, um, you know, to me, a lot of the people who I had looked up to in learning jazz, then I was learning who they were, you know, on the bandstand. And, um, you know, they they really uh, mentored me and helped me through things. And, you know, I've always ended up playing with, with the elderly generation, which is fantastic. So if you could get into a time machine, go back in time and see a dream gig, where are you going to go? Who would you love to see? Oh, my goodness. I was just talking about this the other day. I think I would just do everything over with what I do now, with what I know now. <laughs> but um, 
No. Who would I go see? I wish, you know, I was saying, I wish that I could write myself a note and go back, do everything, not do everything over, but do everything the same, but say, go see, um, go see Kenny Kirkland before he passed, because it was a dream of mine to play with him, you know, but I didn't even get to see him play live. Um, go see, you know, get to know Jackie McLean better, or, you know, I, I saw him play once, but I didn't even approach him, you know, um, I could never have seen Coltrane or Miles, but of course I would have loved to. And I saw Freddie, but yeah, if I could take a time machine back, go see Joe Henderson. You know, I only saw him once play. No, did I? No, I didn't see Joe Henderson. I'm imagining it. Yeah, I didn't see Joe Henderson. Um, Yeah, but he was alive and I could have seen him and I, I didn't make it, you know. Um, Yeah, that's, those are the main ones, I think. Yeah, that's that's great. So let me ask you this. Everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately lead the charge. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Oh, what an interesting question. Um, <laughs> um, I'm a really creative and spontaneous person. I'm very loyal, and I'm, I'm really sincere. Um, I was told once by one of my mentors that I have too much integrity and um it's it's true i've I've kind of hurt my career I feel in some ways by having too much integrity of uh it's just about the music and it's you know not having any frills you know but people people like to see an artist move around they like um you know you to dress a certain way and to so, uh, for me, I will say say what I think, and I'm not a frills person, uh, but I do like to have fun, and I'm very spontaneous. Again, if anyone out there wants to pick up any of your albums, you know, upcoming, anything that you've done before, any live shows, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Oh, my website, ShirelleCassidy.com. Excellent. Sherelle, it's great to catch up with you. Thank you so much. It took a while, but we finally got through. And, and, and what, what a wonderful set of insights. Thank you for opening up I your world. I feel like such a flake. Thank you so much. And um, and I can't wait to actually visually see you and meet you when we talk with Johannes for Precarious oh, Powers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so no. much for making time. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Chicago, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Sherelle for her time, energy, and good. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.